You are now listening to Chomp Chats, conversations to enhance the Gator family experience. Something helpful in starting that conversation is one, just normalizing the conversation. It can feel awkward, right? If someone were checking in on me and saying, um, hey, you don't seem like yourself, what's wrong? It can feel accusatory that there's something wrong with me that I'm not acting as I usually have or how I normally would. So approaching it that what you're noticing is one, common, and two, um, that it's something that you likely have experienced as well. Welcome back to Chump Chats. I am your host, Shaquille Lowe, And this is part two from a conversation I had with Dr. Rosa West, who's a clinical assistant professor and assistant director for outreach and consultation at UF's Counseling and Wellness Center. Dr. West is a specialist in the areas of substance abuse and other addiction concerns and brings over 10 years of clinical training and experience to our campus. Here's more from our conversation. So when we think about, we mentioned visits, consultations, we talked about, you know, the privacy of it. So Walk me through some of the common outcomes of the consultation. So after students have visited, what should someone expect? Or are there common outcomes or different things? You know, immediately as someone who's not a helper, I could see someone thinking, oh, you go to the Counseling and Wellness Center for a few times, and then your mental health is perfect all of a sudden, and you can keep going. I imagine that's not the case. So can you walk me through that? Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, again, I... I think physical health is something that we that resonates most with everybody and understanding that. And so if you um, you know thought about if I if you broke your leg, right, and I went to the doctor, um, they if I broke my leg, I'm probably gonna need some professional support around that as far as you know getting a cast, getting it placed, getting it set so that there's no further damage. And so I'm going to, you know, my medical physician. Um, to assist with that. But my medical physician during that time is also going to provide some suggestions or recommendations for how I can maintain or strengthen that leg, how I can rehab and um, you know, participate in rehabilitation efforts so that uh, you know, I don't walk funny from, from here on out and those kinds of things. Very similar to coming in for counseling. And so if I'm experiencing a break, quote unquote, um, I may need that outside support to come in um, you know, and meet periodically to find out what is the best thing that I can do to address my concern. Um, but once those sessions are over, we don't just stop attending to our mental health, just like our physical health, I'm going to continue to rehab and continue to do the things that I worked on um, when I was seeing my medical physician to make sure that my legs stay strong. When I'm coming in for counseling, no matter how long the duration may be, so that's going to vary depending on student need, um, they may need to come in one time, right? They may need to come in 12 times, right? Um, but in that first session with their provider, they're coming up with a treatment plan as far as given what you're presenting with, this is what we think would be helpful for you as far as um, course and duration of treatment. But the knowledge and kind of knowing up front, it's not going to end there. So after I've completed right, my personal counseling and my treatment for that break, um, what things is that student, that individually then going to do on their own to attend to their mental health right, and kind of make sure that they maintain that? Um, so how does it look? It's going to vary again from student to student, but you're going to get an individualized plan based on the type of challenge or the type of issue that you're experiencing. But the idea always is that when I'm coming into the CWC to get a service, um, after that, you know, 
service time is completed, right? I've learned things that I can continue to do on my own or continue to um, work on maybe in other forums or um, you know, with other individuals to help to maintain my mental health and ensure that I don't get ill again. So I know you mentioned this idea of that students get, may have a long-term plan or a short-term plan and you have camp, you know, you have offices on campus. Does that necessarily mean that if a student needs in-person services, they have to be at one of the two locations on campus? Um, no, no. So um, like as I shared, you know, um, with the current times, you know, we've had to adjust and shift some of our services and so we've moved um, our counseling online right now. And so we're not able to provide face-to-face -face counseling, but um, our students can continue to get that services, uh, our service in an online format. Um, so it doesn't require you to be or go to any physical or building. And as we continue our online counseling, um, that will still sort of be the guidelines that um, I don't have to be somewhere physically to get a counseling service. I can get online counseling um, as long as I'm in the state of Florida. Um, so there are some legal restrictions and requirements as far as our ability to provide that. But if a student currently is residing in the state of Florida, then they may be eligible to receive online counseling, whether they can come into our buildings or not. Awesome. And when we think about um, coming into the buildings, you know, in the hopeful situation in the fall semester, we're all back to normal. Are there any times that you would you might recommend that a student visit things that are outside of the university, perhaps in the community? Um, yes. So, um, you know, depending on where our student has come from, they may or may not be familiar with the, the Gainesville community that surrounds the university. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we try to do is sort of raise that awareness and share information about those resources, especially if there are things in the community that may um, be helpful or beneficial for that student. Um, we may refer a student for community counseling. And so, again, depending on need, um, if we know that a student would benefit from long-term therapy, right, given what they're presenting with, they're not experiencing a mental health concern, they're experiencing a mental illness concern that may have a longer course as far as, 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 as need for treatment. Um, we have a short-term model at the center to allow us to see you know, as many students as we can. Um, and so it may be at that time that we suggest to that student that a provider in the community um, doesn't have the limitations that the university has. Um, and so it may be helpful for you to begin that relationship and to begin that service in the community um, now and so that you've got that ongoing support while you're going along your academic journey. Um, it's important for our students and our family members also to know that when we're making referrals for services into the community, that that does not mean that the student can't continue to get resources and services within our center. And so a lot of times if we're making, you know, community referrals, they are an adjunct to other kinds of services and resources that we may recommend for the students. And so, um, you know, if that student is experiencing an illness and needs longer term care, uh, we may connect them with the provider in the community that can continue to see them along the course of that treatment, but also recommend that that student participate in one of our CWC groups or workshops to address um, other concerns or concerns that are contributing to that illness. Um, we'll also encourage those students to take advantage of our mind and body lab and our outreach and consultation services 
of our crisis services, right? And so you, again, you don't have to be an ongoing client of ours to participate in that. Um, but if I had a counselor that I was seeing in the community and I was under distress, I'm on campus and I need help right now, um, I can still come to the CWC and use those crisis services. So it really is um, a both and rather than an either or. And so I know for some folks it can feel that way that if I've been able to, to this, then that's, that's it. Um, and that's not the case. We really are an, a both and um, and kind of looking at all the kinds of supports that may be helpful for that student and helping them to live optimally. And you've mentioned that you don't necessarily have to be a student to receive services. And, and certainly in, the, in that crisis mode, anyone can visit the CWC. But what, how can our families interact? Like what can family members do throughout the year, uh, you know, that are making sure that through your services, they are better able to support their student? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I shared that we provide, again, consultation for our students, and we also do consultations for family members as well. And so if a family member has a concern about their student and they're not quite sure if they should be concerned or if they're not quite sure if things um, you know, are an issue, they are more than welcome, again, to give us a call and speak to a counselor uh, just to kind of assess what issues or concerns may be coming up for them. Um, and we'll provide them with recommendations or just as we will with the student, connect them with another resource or another service that may be um, better in answering that question or supporting them. Um, we also you know, recognize that our family members go through transitions as well when their students are uh, you know, coming off to college and, and, and getting new experiences. And so we have a dedicated page on our website. We come to counseling.ufl.edu. And under resources, we do have a page specifically for family members that are that will highlight, um, you know, different things that you can do, right, in helping to prepare your student for college, um, different things that family members can do personally to help prepare themselves for that transition of their student uh, being in college. Um, and then there are some, of course, some resources there as well, just sort of reminding them about our own consultation services, as well as other uh, resources that may be available on campus for our family members. So, um, while, you know, we provide those direct clinical services for the student, um, we want our family members to know that we're also here to support you as well, um, and you're welcome to contact us for those consultations. Again, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, um, we're available for that. I'm sure that if our families connect with you um, and, and through your resources, they will be able to better answer this question. Um, but I'd like to know maybe on a very surface level. What should families look for as warning signs or calls for help for their students who maybe haven't been exercising their mental health as much as they need to? There are some key things to kind of look for, but I want to preface that by saying that, again, every student is different um, and that our family members often know our students best. And so it's difficult to say um, if your student is isolating, right, uh, be concerned about that because you may have a student who um, that's their pattern and their personality style. And so when we look for things to, to watch for, we wanna look for changes in their personality. And so I may have been someone that was very outgoing, gregarious, um, very communicative about the things that I'm experiencing and you're noticing as a family member um, that that's changed and that I'm quieter or that I'm not um, you know, getting out or socializing as much. 
And so looking for those differences, but look at those differences cautiously because we also have to recognize that our students are experiencing change. Um, and developmentally, you know, they may be growing and developing in a way that is very different than how they were um, when they were younger. And so we wanna look at those differences, but look at them cautiously, but use that information to check in with your student. So if you're noticing those changes, um, you know, just cautiously checking in, you know, I noticed that um, I haven't heard from you this week, like what's going on? The student might say, well, it's midterms and I'm not, right? I don't have as much time, I'm studying, I'm in the library. Um, and then that's okay, because now I know, oh, that's why you're pulling away. You're really busy right now. Um, but if I check in and there really is no context to support why that change is happening, um, then I may be more concerned about that. It's like, oh, okay, well, um, what's happening here? Um, so one, just kind of look for differences and changes, but also expect that that is likely to happen for some of our students. Um, the other thing is uh, listening for what's not being communicated. And so I found that, um, you know, when our students are coming to campus and connecting with family members, that oftentimes they'll share the things that they're doing, right? And so, um, you know, as family members, hey, how's your week going? How are classes going? And as a student, I launch into just that. And so I've got a midterm coming up that I'm studying for, I'm working on a project, um, all these things that really doesn't touch to how they're doing, right? So being careful, right? When we contact our students and we wanna know how they're doing, that we're actually checking in on that. So if you notice that the student is just telling me all the things that they're doing, um, we want to expand or deepen that conversation. I know you have a midterm coming up that you're studying for, um, but how have you been feeling about that, right? Are you experiencing stress? Are you even feeling anxious? Is there any worry? Again, it's a way that we can help our students to practice that mindfulness of slowing down and really checking in with what they're experiencing throughout the day and how it's impacting them. Um, yeah. So I'd say those two things are, 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 are kind of critical, right, for family members. One, just look for those differences and see if there are things that you can introduce to support your student. Um, and also make sure that when you are checking in with them, just to see if there are concerns, that you're actually assessing how they're doing and not what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned an example earlier, um, but how can someone start that conversation? So if you've noticed these, you know, say a family member has noticed these things about their student, some things are changing and they're nervous, they may have been asking how, but they're still maybe still getting the what, how can they start the conversation? Or are there things to avoid when talking about this? Yeah, um, so both, and I think uh, something helpful in starting that conversation is one, just normalizing the conversation. Um, it can feel awkward, right? If someone were checking in on me and saying, um, hey, you don't seem like yourself, what's wrong, right? <laughs> it can feel accusatory that uh, there's something wrong with me that I'm not acting as I usually have or how you know, I normally would. Um, so approaching it that what you're noticing is one, common, and two, um, that it's something that you likely have experienced as well. A good way to normalize things is to connect yourself to it as well or to connect others. And so instead of you know, reaching out to your students saying, hey, you haven't been checking in, what's wrong? What's going on with you? Um, you may share something like, hey, um, I've noticed that I haven't heard from you in a while. And I know when I pull away, 
right? When I isolate or get quieter, I'm not doing well, right? I'm usually struggling or I'm usually feeling sad or something going on that I'm stressed with. And so because of that, I just want to check in with you to see if that's something that you're also experiencing, right? And so that way of, again, normalizing and connecting to that experience, it's actually also an opportunity, I think, for family members to start to share how they themselves may deal with stress, anxiety, um, changes or shifts in mood. Um, because sometimes these aren't conversations that we've had before with our student, um, but it's never too late to start, right? And so, um, you know, I think as our students are sort of preparing to go off to college, as family members, we can think about our own experiences and challenges with mental health or mental illness um, and think about what kinds of conversations would have been helpful for us, right? Um, you know, as a way both of motivating us to start those conversations with students and to get some ideas about how or what may be helpful for our particular student in that conversation. Um, but I think it just goes a long way, really just to connect to those experiences personally as you're sharing that with your students. So we all have been stressed, we all have felt anxiety or anxiousness at some times, um, and knowing that um, you know, ahead of time can really help students to feel more comfortable and opening up about their own concerns and challenges. Mm -hmm. And I've been in several spaces where <clears throat> I've heard people say something like, when you open up about challenges or when you talk about, you know, mental health, it somehow can put you in a deeper place of vulnerability. And what would you say to someone who is thinking that? Yeah, um, well, first I'd say that, again, that that's, it's normal to feel that way. And when I hear that, I hear that it's coming from a place of concern. And so I, I don't want to approach a conversation or, or, or start a topic that may be too sensitive or too much for that person. In a sense, I don't want to do anything to make this worse or do anything to um, disrupt the relationship that I have with my student. And so because we have that care, that can keep us from moving forward and being a little bit more proactive and having those conversations. Um, but it's important for family members to be aware that just because we're not broaching it uh, doesn't mean that it's not there. And it's likely to continue and to remain sustained um, if it's not being addressed. And so again, it's, I, I'm, I'm not wanting to have this conversation because I'm concerned about potential harm that I could cause um, but it's important just to be conscious that not having the conversation may be more harmful uh, than not having it, right? Um, because sometimes our students are paying attention not to what we're talking about, but to what we're not talking about. And so if I'm, you know, if I'm struggling academically, if I'm struggling um, just to kind of keep up with all of the demands and things that are on my plate, uh, and I'm sharing that, right, with my family members, and they're not really um, addressing it or tending it or asking me how I'm doing, that lack of communication around that may send a, um, a message to me that it's not okay to talk about, or that um, what I'm experiencing isn't normal or isn't common. And so again, we want to be careful, not just what we say, but what we're not saying, because that's also going to send a message to our students as well. Just like we dispelled that myth, there are other common misconceptions. I hear different narratives. It's like, what do you believe and what do you not believe? So if you don't mind, I, I want to tackle this one because I've heard people say that 
if you go to the Counseling and Wellness Center, you might have to wait. But I, but I understand it that you have lots of things in place that may stop students from having to have such a long wait. So can we talk through those? Yeah, I do hear that message from students. Um, you know, it's sad because I don't want them, um, you know, to not come in and to not seek services because they are worried um, that they're going to have to wait for services. We have no wait services, right? And so there are only... Um, you know, a few of the resources that we have that are limited. And so our limited resources, you may have to wait for. Um, but again, we have our mind and body lab, we have groups and workshops, we've got outreach opportunities, uh, skill building, um, training events, there are all different kinds of things in the way of resources and services that can support a students overall mental health that they don't have to wait for at all. Um, and so it's really important for them to get that message. Go ahead and schedule an appointment with us. You may be interested in, um, you know, that personal uh, individual counseling, and it's not available right now because no counselor has an opening on their schedule. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't work with our on-call counselors if you're in distress and need immediate attention. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't participate in some of our groups and workshops. Um, and again, typically when a student is leaving that appointment, they're leaving with a myriad of resources and services that they can use to support their overall well-being. So students or family members are concerned about having to wait. Um, we do encourage them, contact us so that we can clarify what services actually have no wait um, and what services you, know, you may need to wait for just because there's some limitations there. Um, and there are a few that do have those limitations. And so obviously our individual counseling appointments are gonna be limited so that we can you know, serve the 50,000 student community. Um, but uh, again, we've got other services that allow us to, um, yeah, to reach a, a number of our students and we don't want them to miss out on those opportunities because you know, they were concerned about having to wait for one thing in particular. I know after having this conversation that I, one, I've learned a lot and now I'm even thinking about things and, and no, I don't have a student, but I'm thinking about it in terms of myself and, and just different things. I know this is probably a lot for our family members, but this is all great information. Mm -hmm. If we could sum it up, you know, in maybe three points, you know, what might you say? I mean, this is all great things. So what are, <laughs> what are three takeaways that you would like people to remember or always think about from our conversation today? Um, yes, I think first and foremost, I want family members to walk away knowing that we have a counseling and wellness center on campus that's there to support your student and you as well. Um, and so I think that that's a very important takeaway so that you know, even after hearing this conversation, that if I had questions, if I had concerns, that there is a space on campus that that can be addressed. Um, I think the number two takeaway that is important um, is for family members to start to look at opportunities that they can support their students' overall mental health right now. Um, and so what are, what are some things that your student right now is doing that you think is beneficial for their mental health um, that you want to encourage them to continue to do when they become a student. So I may have a student that's very active and participates in yoga or you know, does um, 
you know, this various activities. And I've seen how helpful that's been for them in, in, in attaining their mental health. Um, as a family member, I want to encourage them to be mindful of continuing to engage in those practices so that they don't fall susceptible to developing a mental illness. Um, and I think the third takeaway, uh, again, is just to acknowledge that our students and us as family members as well are going to experience challenges that are going to impact our mental health and emotional being. Um, it's common and it's to be expected. And because we know that that expectation exists, then we have an opportunity to prepare ourselves and prepare our students for it. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's a lot. And I know that after this, I mean, we know that there's a counseling and wellness center and we know that you are there, but I'm pretty sure people are going to want to get connected with you. If a family member wanted to talk to you or someone, you know, that's, that's you know, that knows all about this like you do, how can we yeah. get in contact? So if they're just wanting general information and go, it's, you know, what are your hours or are you open today? They can always just call um, our number 352-392-1575. Um, and any, you know, support staff person can answer those general questions. If they're, you know, wanting more in-depth information or just had some follow-up questions from what we discussed today, they can always contact me directly. Um, I am the assistant director for outreach and consultation. And so that is part of my role is to oversee um, our consultation efforts for both our students and our family members. Um, so, you know, you can reach out that same number, 352-392-1575 and ask you know, to be transferred to my extension, um, you know, and I will follow up with you. The other way to reach me is by email. And so rwest at ufsa.ufl.edu. Um, and that's another way that you, know, you can ask a question or to consult and I'll respond to you that way as well. Well, Dr. West, thank you so much. I really have appreciated this time. And on behalf of the Gator Parent and Family Association, we really thank you for being here and yes. spending some time today. <laughs> to really help our family members. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's all for my conversation with Dr. Wes. So if you have questions or would like to share your feedback, please visit our website at families.dso.ufl.edu or send us an email at ihaveagator at ufl.edu. And always, thank you for listening to Chomp Chats, where we help Gator families transition to Gator Nation.